You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Bellato, joined as always by Chris Flum to go through day one of the 2023 free agent period for our beloved New York football giants. And Chris, I don't know if you received the word... But I did join Ed Valentine on Valentine's Views podcast. I hope your feelings are not hurt, are they? <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, honestly, I did not receive word on that. But frankly, I have been up to my eyeballs in draft content right now. Is there literally anything else going on in the football world? I believe there is. There's this little thing called free agency in the New York Giants. They're not the most busy team, right? They're not the Chicago Bears who have already blown a large percentage of their cap space on a variety of different talents, similar to the Denver Broncos. But the Giants are starting to reshape their roster in the image of Joe Shane and Brian Dable. And what was one of the, I would say, main talking points of Joe Shane during his press conferences and also just to any Giant fans who watched? One of the primary things that every Giant fan believed the New York Giants had to fix this offseason it was their run defense. And the Giants addressed that by adding linebacker Bobby Okariki, Okereke, Bobby O, whatever you want to call him. We'll get that pronunciation down pat soon enough. And an interior defensive lineman by the name of Rakeem Nunez Rochez, who is on the Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we'll get into their impact on the roster. But first, we can't overlook, Chris, what the Giants did before the free agent tampering period even started. The Giants retained both of their faces of the franchise and Daniel Jones quarterback re-signed him to that $160 million deal. He will be back for the foreseeable future as the signal caller in big blue. And they tag Saquon Barkley. So those two moves have to be factored in to this free agent period. And those were pivotal moves by the New York football giants that we've been discussing over this last week because it happened some time ago. Yeah, those two moves really are shaping this free agency period, and they're going to define the Giants for, well, at least the next two years based on the structure of Jones's contract. Uh, we'll see. We'll just have to wait and see what happens with that. There's still a lot of offseason to go. There's a lot of draft process to go. This roster is not done yet. It's not done yet, nor have the Giants ignored some of their other UDFAs. And we knew that the New York Giants, Joe Shane, he said this so many times, that the Giants want to retain the players that are in-house because they know how those players operate. They know how they practice. They know their work habits. And the Giants did that by resigning a slew of their free agents. They brought Jamie Gillen back, the punter. So the Scottish Hammer is back with the New York football Giants. They re-signed Wyatt Davis, developmental interior offensive lineman who the Giants claimed late last season. Their long snapper, Casey Kreider, they also brought back. But probably the most notable name, other than Barkley and Jones, 
is running back Matt Breida, who they are bringing back to the New York Giants on a one-year deal worth up to $2.3 million in incentives. And if we go back to the end of the season, the New York Giants defeated the Minnesota Vikings in part, Chris, because of that pony personnel package with Matt Breida. Matt Breida made a lot of big, critical plays down the stretch of the season to put the Giants in an advantageous position. And I get it. This is a robust running back market coming into the draft. I don't think retaining Matt Breida precludes the New York Giants from going out and selecting a Zach Charbonnet or another running back maybe on late on day two early on day three, because the Giants don't have any long-term solution at the running back position right now if Saquon Barkley does not re-sign. No, they don't. And also, we like what Gary Brightwell did when he was on the field, but he can be upgraded. He's primarily a special teams player, but this is an excellent running back class. We've talked about that a few times. We talked about how impressive the running backs were at the Combine. There have been impressive running backs at the East-West Shrine Bowl, the Reese's Senior Bowl. Just going through, I think there are going to be starting caliber running backs drafted on the third day. So, no, I, I absolutely would not be surprised if the Giants wind up drafting a running back. However, I think keeping Matt Breida is a good move by Joe Shane. He was kind of a, a little bit of a spark plug for the Giants when he was on the field. You talked about the pony package, but even when he was on in relief of Saquon Barkley, Breida got some things done. He's a capable pass protector. He's a good receiving running back, and he's got some quickness and burst to him so that the Giants don't need to change up their blocking schemes. They don't need to change up their playbook when Matt Breida is on the field. They don't need to change up the playbook. And I'll say this, too, for the people who do believe that Matt Breida, look, they like him as a player, but is he is is he going to prevent the Giants from drafting one of these young players coming into the draft? And I just don't think that is the case because if Saquon Barkley were to get injured, which he has done throughout his career, unfortunately, Matt Breida is not a full-time back, Chris. He is not a player who is going to step in and handle 16 carries. He is always going to be that guy who will be a change of pace, who you can use creatively in certain personnel packages. I loved how they employed his skill set, Mike Kafka did, as a wing back, right? Like, you know, the H-back lines up behind the tackle. That's typically a tight end, but the wing back, it's a little bit more outside of that. And just using him in motion consistently put a lot of defenses in a bind. So... If Saquon Barkley were to get injured, the Giants are still going to need another running back to complement Matt Breida. Is that Gary Brightwell? It could possibly be. He's very cheap on the roster. He was a six-round pick. But if the value is there in the draft, and I know you're, as you said, what, eye deep in the NFL draft stuff right now. It's a deep running back draft class. I don't think the Giants are going to be scared to select a running back because there is a place for that running back on this roster. Yes, yeah, certainly. And just... Taking a step back as far as roster construction goes, I wouldn't be opposed to the Giants trying to build basically a, a an updated version of the old Earth, Wind, and Fire running back rotation. Yes, Saquon Barkley was kind of the engine of the offense for most of last year, but for most of last year, he was on pace for well over 400 touches, and we saw his effectiveness start to dip down as we got to like the second, late second third to early third third of the season. 
And that I think corresponded with when the giants kind of hit their mid season skid. So I, I would not be opposed to Matt Breida and a third running back being used in rotation with Saquon Barkley to keep carries off of him to keep everybody fresh. And another bit of news that we have to go over, Chris, is Nick Gates. Look, I bid him farewell. I had a lot of respect. I have a lot of respect for Nick Gates. His skill set, what he had to overcome. He was a team captain when he suffered that injury. And he embodied what it meant to be a New York Giant. And he was smart. He was tough. And despite that injury, other than that, he was dependable. That was a freak injury that he suffered at FedEx Field in Washington. And now he has joined the Washington Commanders, the Washington football team, whatever you want to call them. And it was a pretty solid contract for Nick Gates. He signed a three-year, $16.5 million deal that can max out at $18 million. So he's getting $8 million guaranteed with that. And when you look at the New York Giants, and Ed and I talked about this, and I believe it's accurate. I think the Giants went into the offseason possibly wanting to retain either Nick Gates or John Feliciano. John Feliciano is still a free agent right now. I'll have to wait and see what happens with that. But in my opinion, there was no way Joe Shane was going to allocate that type of money to a player like Nick Gates, who the Giants absolutely loved. But that's a pretty hefty contract, is it not? It really is for a player like Nick Gates. Yeah, If you have, you know, maybe 2020 vintage Quentin Nelson, that's a steal. But for Nick Gates, yeah, he is, he's a great guy. He is tough. He is, as you say, dependable. He is versatile. He can play any position on the offensive line if he absolutely has to. And that is a valuable skill set. But I'm not sure if he's a player you really want to see starting. Uh, personally, I'm glad he got his bag. He deserves it. I wish him all the best. Even though he's a, playing for a division rival, and I would have to say probably the most annoying division rival. Maybe That's not the most statement. hated, but definitely the most annoying. <laughs> That's a statement right there. I don't know if... See, Washington to me... This is how I view Washington. They're in our division, but they're the younger brother that the that nobody's really paying attention to a lot of the time. And I know that the Giants, if you dig into the history of the Giants and Washington, it's <laughs> it's pretty deep. There's a lot of historical animosity between those two franchises that predates the Super Bowl era. So it goes back and it's as recent as the last CBA that was passed as John Mara headed the, the, uh, the committee that ended up slapping violations on Washington and Dallas, which cost them, I believe it was draft capital might've also been cap space, but I know Dan Schneider did not like that whatsoever. And I love how Dan Schneider sounds very similar to my other co-host Dan Schneier, which is awesome because people tweet at Dan all the time thinking he's Dan Schneider. And I find that to be absolutely <laughs> freaking hilarious, Chris. But back to Nick Gates, five and a half million is not a terrible contract for him as a player. It's just, I'm looking at it relative to the New York Giants, the position the Giants are in. I don't think the Giants were going to give him that type of bag. I'm glad he got this because like I said, Washington is going to fall in love with this guy. We're probably going to see him getting into fights with Dexter Lawrence. And we're going to be like, <laughs> oh my God, man, I miss number 65 so much. But I just didn't think the Giants were in a position to give Nick Gates that type of money. 
No, I definitely agree with that. Now, the other guy I am glad the Giants brought back was long snapper Casey Kreider. Now, people might say, yeah, a long snapper. What? You're glad they brought back a long snapper? Well, for longtime listeners of this show, we try to pay attention to the special teams. That Special teams snaps are not a bathroom break for us. Those are quietly key to the outcome of a game. Yeah, the, the thing I always bring up is that back in, I believe it was 2010, the at the then San Diego Chargers had the number one offense, the number one defense in the NFL, and they missed the playoffs, largely because they had the 32nd ranked special teams. Those hidden yards, hidden points, those can sink a team. And having a good long snapper is very important to just the overall function of your special teams, whether it's kicking field goal or your punting operation, you need somebody who is just dependable. And Casey Kreider is dependable. He certainly is dependable. And I'm right there with you. And again, this isn't a somebody who is going to enthrall the fan base, but it's just one of those smart retentions that keeps the special team unit, I guess you could say, solid in that aspect because there are other aspects of the special teams unit that certainly need to be upgraded. And I feel like I've been saying that since I've been following the New York Giants. But before we get into the two key additions that I feel like a lot of people want to know about, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. All right, Chris, the Giants went out and they found two pieces who can significantly upgrade their biggest, their most critical vulnerability in 2022, which was their inability to fit the run specifically against pin-pull concepts, power gap type of running schemes. And that is Bobby Okereke, who is a linebacker, a 26-year-old linebacker who has 98th percentile wingspan, 97th percentile length, about six foot two, 239 pounds, so he has good size from the Indianapolis Colts. This is somebody who used to be a Stanford Cardinal back in college. He was a will linebacker for much of his career in Matt Eberflus's defense this past season with Gus Bradley. He assumed more of a mic role because Shaq Leonard, formerly known as Darius Leonard, was injured for a lot of the season. And when we turned on that week 17 game, Chris, 58 was everywhere. He had 17 tackles in that game. He elbowed Daniel Jones on the way down round. He was sprinting Daniel Jones down quite often. And I know he surrendered a lot of catches, but he's not bad in coverage. I felt like I saw growth from from his ability, like from what I understood who he was coming out of school. And then when he got to the NFL, I felt like I saw growth from that point into now in terms of his ability to cover. It's just they play a ton of zone. So he surrendered a lot of checkdowns. So his reception total is pretty high. But I just by going through his film, I don't think he is a bad coverage player. Is he Fred Warner? No, but no one is. I think this is a very good addition for the New York Giants, and it's exactly what they needed at the second level of their defense. It is, and they got him at a a bit of a premium, but overall a pretty good price at, I believe it was a four years, $40 million, about $10 million a year for a player who, first and foremost, comes downhill and makes a ton of tackles that's what they needed the giants really did miss having blake martinez last year yeah even though his you know he lost his captaincy he lost the green dot yeah i think the giants really did miss his presence 
on the field. And Okereke, he will, I think, help to make up, make at least some of that up. Uh, how much of it? Again, it remains to be seen. We don't know just how big of a role he will have in the defense. I assume a pretty good size one. But we know Wink Martindale loves him some defensive backs. Uh, as a coverage player, I believe he was uh, 30th of 32 middle linebackers in terms of coverage EPA. But again, a lot of that comes down to the coverages he was asked to play. Uh, Like you said, I'm not expecting Fred Warner out there. I would still like to see the Giants add a linebacker in the draft. Somebody who, again, please cover a tight end just once. That's all I ask. One tight end to be covered. Uh, I, I don't think we've seen that in forever. So that would be very nice to see, but adding a good relatively, relatively young, basically entering his prime linebacker in in Okereke is a move the giants had to make. According to next gen stats, he faced the most targets of any linebacker at 78 targets. And I know that isn't exactly congruent with what PFF has, but this is according to next gen stats. And according to them, he held his own in coverage. He allowed negative 2.3 receptions over expected with a 5.9 yards per target average. So for whatever that means from the next gen stats, from the analytical perspective, next gen had him as a positive in coverage. And again, they played a lot of zone. You're talking about Gus Bradley running a lot of cover three. I think he incorporated a little bit more, you know, match cover four principles like most teams around the NFL are doing. And then before that, he was in Eberflus's defense, which is a lot of cover two, too high. So he just played a lot of middle hook zone. And there's a lot of checkdowns right in front of his face. It's one of the reasons why he saw so many targets, not just because he is a terrible linebacker in coverage. And I think that context is important on Bobby Okereke, Okereke. So, Chris, Rakeem Nunez-Rochez, the other addition by the New York football Giants, a three-year deal that I saw on Twitter the Giants can get out of after two years, worth up to $12 million, $7.5 million guarantee, which is a decent amount. He's only going to count for $2.6 million against the cap this year, and then in 2024, $4.3, and then in 2025, $5 million. I don't know if he's going to be around at age 32 in 2025 to see that $5 million cap number take effect. But right now, the Giants found themselves somebody who's going to be 30 years old who can play all across the defensive line and who should start in the Giants' base personnel package next to Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. I think this is a good addition to the team and somebody who is going to really secure the run defense for the New York Giants. He's not going to add too much as a pass rusher, but he does have a quick first step and he fires off the football. I'm not sure if you've been able to see his film quite yet. This is somebody who stays very low with an excellent center of gravity, good balance, heavy hands, active hands, knows how to shed when he is asked to penetrate. Because that's the thing I like the most about him. When you ask him to penetrate, he gets skinny, Chris, through really, really tight crevices. But if you need him to two gap and anchor down against double teams, he can do that as well. So you can have him handle a variety of different assignments. And I'm sure Wink Martindale will put that onto him and he'll be able to figure that out because that's one of the things I respect the most about Rakeem Nunez Rochez is the fact that he can fit into any defensive system and be a sound run defender. Yeah. What I, what I know about uh, Nunez Rochez is pretty much what I remember from the last time the giants played the Buccaneers. I believe it was, I believe he was with them when yep. the giants played them. Yeah. And everything you said fits in with what I remember primarily a run defender, 
seriously powerful dude, uh, which to me, when you talk about uh, especially a lineman's power that encompasses his play strength and his explosiveness, you know, because power is work over time. So doing a lot of work and not a lot of time, that's power. And that is, I think, what Rakeem Nunez Rochez does. I, I'm not expecting too much from him directly in terms of the pass rush. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him two-gapping a lot and then using him to open up those free runs that Wink loves to scheme. Yeah, Maybe not all that often. Maybe he's rotated off the field in those situations, but he could be rotated on the field as a true nose tackle to open up maybe an A or a B gap rush for Bobby O'Karakey. Exactly. And this is somebody, too, where if you think back to the last two off seasons, the Giants added Danny Shelton in 2020. That was a flop. That was a big bust. Danny Shelton was not great. But Danny Shelton was probably more effective than Justin Ellis this past year. And Justin Ellis had to play 300 plus snaps, I believe, for the New York Giants. And then you factor in Ryder Anderson and Henry Mondu. Like Ryder Anderson, I think there's some upside there, but he wasn't ready to play 190 plus snaps like he did last season. It's just the Giants had no depth on their defensive line. Nunez Rochez is a smart player. Nunez Rochez is a player who has experience. And like I said, he's versatile. You can have him handle a lot of different responsibilities. So this is a big upgrade over what the Giants had last year. But again, this is still a rotational player, somebody who isn't going to play 50 snaps for the New York Giants. But these rotational pieces are are how you round your roster out and how you make a team that made the playoffs last year much more complete. So that's the reason why when I saw this signing and that, yes, the money, I don't think it's too bad. Like, it's not that bad, right? The cap keeps going no. up. But... This is how you make a a team more competitive. And that's all we're looking for for the New York Giants. I know the Giants won a playoff game next year. It doesn't mean the Giants are going to win two playoff games next season. You need to really fix this run defense. And both of these additions do that. Yeah, and I, I think that is important to remember that you know, last year doesn't really guarantee much of anything for this year going forward. The I don't think the Giants expected to make the playoffs last year. It, I think all of us were expecting 2022 to just be a year you get through, and then you start building for real in 2023 and beyond. And I have to say, one thing that has kind of jumped out at me so far is keep seeing these de- uh, the deals the Giants are signing players to to have outs after two years. And I think that's really smart on behalf of Joe Shane and also Brian Dayball, because if there's one thing we've learned over the last uh, five years or so, John Mara is not a patient man. And yes, Joe Shane, Brian Dayball, they got signed to five-year contracts, but if things haven't turned around the way we want them to, the way we expect them to, after two years from now, they'll be in year three of their contract. They'll be on the hot seat. So this gives them the opportunity to get kind of a second bite of that roster building apple and basically reload this roster on the fly if they absolutely have to. And they're going to try to do that still, right? In free agency right now, according to over the cap, they have $14.2 million in cap space. And I don't know 
if all the contracts are inputted into that, I'm not sure if a Kara case has taken effect yet. I'm pretty sure Raheem Nunez Rochez's contract has taken effect according to that number, but that's only a 2.6 cap number. But the Giants can still renegotiate some deals, re-sign or extend players who are a part of their long-term plans to create more cap space if they are so inclined to do so. Leonard Williams, I mean, he's set to count 32 million against the cap. Like that, something has to happen with that number. Dexter Lawrence and Andrew Thomas will likely reset their respective markets. I don't know if Joe Shane wants to extend them now, but I would imagine it's an option. And then the obvious one, Saquon Barkley, who is playing on the franchise tag right now, making $10 million. If the Giants were able to resign him to a three, four year deal, they could make that cap number low and then they could possibly bring in more assets to help the Giants in the immediate this season, 2023. So there are still options for the Giants to sign a tight end, a wide receiver, and some of these other key positions that I know fans are really eager to add talented players to. Yeah, and even just absent adding players, I do believe that, extending Dexter Lawrence, extending Andrew Thomas. I would add Xavier McKinney to that as well. And also re-signing Julian Love. I believe those are moves the Giants absolutely should make this year. They should at least make an effort to make those moves. Yes, those guys will probably, if they don't reset their markets, they'll come in right at the top of them. And Dexter Lawrence in particular, we saw some pretty hefty defensive tackle contracts come out of the last couple days with like, you know, Javon Har- Hargrave re-signing and oh, the, well, he didn't the, resign or, yeah, he, or, went to, or he signed elsewhere. Yeah. He, but, he went to the 49ers for four years, 84 million, Chris. Exactly. So, so Dexter Lawrence the, is going to blow that out of the water. Yeah. And Lawrence is, he's more expensive now than he was Saturday. And I think extending these guys early, taking the hit now, basically ripping off the bandaid, is would put the Giants in a better long-term financial situation than just using up every second of their rookie contract that they can, which is a thing I keep seeing with New York teams in general, where it, it's the Giants, the Yankees, the Jets, the Mets, whatever. doesn't matter. They, they always seem to just push out the extensions or re-signings for as long as they can and players only just get more expensive. Yeah, you know, we exactly how many good players have the Giants re-signed early? The only one I can think of off the top of my head was Will Beatty. I mean, the Giants hardly have re-signed anybody over the last decades. <laughs> it's yeah. been a it's been pretty abysmal for a while. But I think Joe Shane is gonna buck that trend. I think with Andrew Thomas, that's somebody that you know is going to be a part of your long-term future and Dexter Lawrence. So I think in the coming weeks, possibly the coming months, we might see something materialize with those two specific contracts, if not even sooner. Because like you said, man, it's behooving them to do that because the other teams are going to set the market and then the Giants are just going to have to reset that then. And that's just a situation you don't want to keep finding yourself in. Exactly. And also, I think the presence of Brandon Brown is kind of lends itself towards the Giants doing that. He, The Giants hired him away from the Philadelphia Eagles. And if Giants fans want to know how the Eagles can just keep guys around and keep veterans around and s- somehow have infinite cap money, it's because they identify these core players and extend them early. They extend, you know, like Elaine Johnson when he's in the third year of his career. And yeah, they wind up paying more money now, but that contract gets so much more affordable 
in the you know second, third, fourth year as the salary cap goes up and other tackles raise the market up. So what might be a top of the market deal now is maybe top 10 in a year or two. So I, I really think that extending Lawrence Thomas and McKinney, especially that would do wonders for setting the giants up in a very sustainable place in 2025 and beyond. I agree, Chris. Chris, you have anything else on the first day of free agency and what you hope to see moving forward? You know, for the most part, I really just hope to see those news of those extensions come out. I'm not sure who I would really like the Giants to sign as far as like a wide receiver goes. I, I've i seen that maybe the Jets are trying to sign Alan Lazard. The Raiders signed Jacoby Myers to go with uh, Jimmy G. Uh, maybe Juju Smith Schuster. I've always, I've always kind of liked him. He he's fun. He's a fun follow on Twitter. Uh, Maybe he could help shore up the giants wide receiving core. If he's still a free agent at this point, or whenever this podcast drops, because things are moving very fast and they're very fluid. (laughs) I'm right there with you, Chris. And thank you everyone for tuning in to the Chris and Nick show here on big blue view radio. Please head on over to BigBlueView.com and check out all of our written content. We are extensively covering the New York football giants through free agency. And of course through the 2023 NFL draft and beyond. So take care of each other, everyone and have a lovely day.